How's everyone doing? Excellent. Matt, it's so good to see you, Matt. You'll, you'll, you'll see Matt every now and again, and then he goes off to work for a couple of months, then he comes back again. Brandon, can you drop me just a little bit more? Please, thanks, man. Um, anyone here for the first time tonight? Welcome, gentlemen and lady. Welcome. Another gentleman. Sam. It's good to see you. Um, <laughs> you're hiding there. Um, so, um, my wife uh, preached on prophecy last week. Um, yeah, those who, of you who were here will know she doesn't, um, like I normally preach and she does food at the back, not because she's worse at preaching, obviously. She's just much better at making soup and food, you know. But um, yeah, I love it when she preaches. Um, she has a real clarity. So um, tonight we are talking about the gift um, that is called the words of wisdom. And it's one of those gifts just like um, when I preached on discernment, we are, we are blessed by one phrase in Scripture and then zero expansion by Paul, you know, and what he actually means by that. So um, this is one of those moments where, you know, we have to press into Scripture and we have to press into the Spirit. Um, and we, we remember Jesus' words to us that the Spirit will lead us into all truth. And so we, we rely on him to educate us about his ways. But of course, we're going to look at scripture. Um, in um, 1 Corinthians 12, this is the mention that Paul makes of it. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And then he goes on. It's so like with all the gifts, just to emphasize that. These gifts are for everyone. They're for the profit of all. They're for the building up of the body. Um, the only gift which Paul qualifies in any way, as we've talked about already, is, is tongues, which he talks about our personal edification. The rest are all for the body. Right, all for the world around us, for expanding his kingdom. Um, and as, you know, you think, well, I'm going to do a sermon on wisdom, um, the obvious thing to do is just, you know, preach on Proverbs, isn't it? You know, wisdom is littered. It's about wisdom. Um, some of the words that we all know well, I'll just read a few of these to you uh, from, from, Proverbs, from Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. He reflects the psalmist who said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He, sorry, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. 
Get wisdom, he says in Proverbs 3. Get understanding. So, yeah, King Solomon is really clear about this. Wisdom is good. Understanding is good. They're from the Lord. Um, and, you know, I, I thought about going through Proverbs and looking at how, how he talks about, about wisdom. Um, and I just, I just really felt God telling me not to do that. Okay? So, um, that's all. I'm just going to read those verses. Please read through Proverbs. Um, one of the wisest men I know um, has spent years just reading Proverbs over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. He just dwells in it. Um, it is a really powerful book. Um, but I think part of the reason why the Lord was telling me not to do that is linked to um, the scripture which I want to focus on in Corinthians. And um, if I can make sense of this. You know, we, we look at Solomon. He is this man that is so incredibly blessed. He is given wisdom. He asks for it, and he is given it. And it blesses him, and it blesses his kingdom. But he's obviously also a man who fails. And he's a man that is blessed with this gift, but he's a man who's in the old covenant. He's a man who's not able to be filled with the Spirit. So he has this gift of God, this gift of wisdom, but he is not a man who is filled with the Spirit in the way that we are today. He just doesn't have that right. He didn't have that access. And so I really, I really felt the Lord saying, you know, we, we need to focus on, on this New Testament. We need to focus on Paul's words in Corinthians. Um, and it's also, also part of the reason is um, it's easy for us to, when we, when we think of wisdom, and this is sometimes true, okay, but, but we can be tempted to think of equating wisdom with intelligence or wisdom with experience, okay? And those things matter. Intelligence matters. Some of the wisest men I know are also incredibly intelligent, okay? They're not exclusive. But wisdom doesn't come from PhDs. Uh, wisdom doesn't come from 60 years of being alive, okay? It brings, it gives you something if you will learn the lessons of life and you'll walk with God. Obviously, years count, but it's not automatic. And the way that the kingdom works is so unlike the way the world works in many respects. And I'll talk about that in a, a little moment. Before I get to Corinthians, um, I just want to remind us the words from Romans 11 and 12. I've got a little, I've cut through the middle here. So it's the end of 11 and then into chapter 12. And Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I just sense the Lord saying before we start talking about wisdom and how to access wisdom, that we have to remember that the basis for all, our, all of these gifts that we are talking about, and I actually think especially with wisdom, is surrender. I mean, you know, when Paul's writing here about our minds being renewed, we can get into this sort of Christian striving thing, present yourself and you're holy, acceptable to God. You know, somehow we, we interpret that maybe as works that we have to do, we have to get everything right. 
And we forget, you know, Jesus is the one who makes us right. Jesus is our righteousness. What he requires of us is that we will present ourselves as living sacrifices, the ultimate surrender. And it's on that basis that God can build wisdom. And so it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 27 or 67, if your heart is not surrendered, wisdom is always going to be capped in your life. Because God is looking for surrendered people that he can reveal what his good and acceptable and perfect will is. Okay, because that's actually what wisdom is. That's what the gift of wisdom is, as we'll see. It's expressing the will of God in a whole range of situations. Okay. Um, so, let's read First um, Corinthians. Um, I'm going to read some of this from uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. I'm going to read a little bit from chapter, um, well, the end of chapter 2. Gosh, you can just keep going. Okay. Um, this is such good scripture. But I'm going to read from uh, chapter 1, verse 20, through to 2, 5 at the moment. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God... It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. There's such a warning there. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. I wonder as we think about Paul speaking, not wanting to know anything except Jesus and him crucified, to what extent he was encountering Jesus in that time this weakness and this fear and this trembling that he talks about. Sounds like someone encountering God. 
<laughs> so as we look at those verses, there's a couple of things there that we see happening. Um, the first is obviously that Paul, when he comes to Corinthians, he did not come with man's wisdom. Right, he's tried man's wisdom in other places in the New Testament, he's, and he's, he's probably frustrated. Now, men are stubborn. And you can probably add women in there as well, but you know, men are stubborn. And he sees this, this failure of his wisdom. Man's wisdom. And we see here that the wise of the world reject Jesus. We see that with the Pharisees. We see that with the Greeks. That the wise of the world reject Jesus. But Paul writes here that God has called the weak and the foolish and has raised them up in Jesus. And there's this warning that he places here where it is, it's explicit that even you know, those of us who actually press into the things of the world, those who seek nobility or those who seek wealth and those who seek worldly wisdom are actually going to move away from Jesus. Not many are called. That's a hard road to walk and still find your way to Christ. And the second thing we see here is that Paul obviously does not rely just on his words. He relies on the power of God. And we see this power of God reflected in Jesus. We see this power of God reflected in the early church. We see it in Paul's ministry. How many churches have we been to, have we grown up in, where we want Scripture to be talked about articulately, or we want the right theologians to be quoted, but we don't see God moving in power, and we don't see the lost meeting Jesus. I have learned so much from men of great wisdom who are theologians. And I, I love them and I respect them. But Paul maybe is the one that we would look at as, as you know, the greatest of the theologians in the New Testament. And he is the one that says he considers all his training as nothing to know Jesus. Nothing. All of it. But it's not... Um, it's not a one or the other, okay? It's not human wisdom and um, all power. Godly wisdom and power cooperate. Okay, and that's the whole point of the gift of the words of wisdom, is that it's God's wisdom operating through his spirit in us. And so we see both power and wisdom together. If you read um, Sam Storm's book on um, spiritual gifts, he says basically that there's three wisdoms at play in the world that we take from, from 1 Corinthians. There's an evil wisdom that would use clever words and rhetoric to undermine the gospel. There's a worldly or fleshly wisdom that does not know the spiritual realm and respects, sorry, and rejects Jesus as absurd. And the third, there's a spiritual or godly wisdom that redeems people through the foolishness of the cross. And so if you go on reading in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2 um, from verse 13, I mean, all of that you should read from 6 onwards, but just, just for time, Reading from verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. 
yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He talks also in, in that chapter about the Spirit knowing the will of God and we knowing the will of God through the Spirit. It's such an amazing promise. It's incredible. <laughs> so, you know, and I just want to say, you know, natural intelligence is obviously not a barrier to God. Okay, he makes us clever. He makes some of us less clever. Um, I literally have a friend in England who can play symphony-level cello. Has I don't know how many PhDs. He wanted to do a postgraduate degree in German, so he learnt it in four weeks, at the master's level, and then went to study in Germany. This guy's bright. This guy's intelligent, but he is so humble because he spends so much time in God's presence and the Word of God. But if you know, if you've been to a place like Oxford or Princeton or Yale, one of these universities. Um, I love Oxford, really nice, pretty place, lots of nice buildings, so I can't stay there more than a day or two. I, it's so oppressive, spiritually. It feels depraved. Um, there's so much pride there. So much faith in man's intelligence. And as, as we think about wisdom, and we think about, you know, Paul saying that, that God gives these things to the foolish. I, I see this parallel to, you know, when Jesus sends out the 72 and he sends them out to preach and he said, you know, heal the sick and declare the kingdom of God. And they come back to him and they say, you know, Lord, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus, <clears throat> he says, well, Luke 10, 21, it says, at that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, please you to do it this way. Now, I presume Jesus knew that this would go well, you know, sending the 72 out. But there's just this little hint here. Like he's being obedient and he's sending his disciples out, plus these other guys, men and women, we don't know much about them. And it works, and God is with them, and the Spirit moves. And I, I love it that he is filled with joy at the report. That the Holy Spirit responds to this testimony of the kingdom moving. Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. And it pleases the Father to do it this way. So it doesn't matter what degree you have, it doesn't matter how intelligent you are, it doesn't matter how many theology degrees you have, it pleases the Father to let fishermen and housewives and whoever do this. So, simple instruction from James 1, I'm sure we all know this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Okay, that's pretty, 
pretty basic, isn't it? So we'll do that at the end. We're just going to ask, okay, for wisdom. Um, but let me, let me run through a few sort of practical ways that I've seen this, um, some stories. Um, I've, I've seen this operate um, in my life and in other people's lives. Um, this is a list that's written by um, a pastor called Paul Walker, who's one of the, who writes some of the commentary in my, in my Bible. So he pulls out, um, I think it's five things, and I'll, I'll go through these fairly quickly. But the first thing he says is that this gift, words of wisdom, gives a supernatural perspective to ascertain the divine means for accomplishing God's will in situations. Okay? Supernatural perspective to ascertain the divine means for accomplishing God's will in situations. I think the most common way that I've seen this being used is with my wife, um, who didn't grow up in the church. She has no religious spirit issues whatsoever. She's like, just doesn't. I have had many. You know, there's so many times I've been in conversation with her, or I've been in church setting, settings where we've been talking about things about to do with the church, and it could be spiritual, it could be practical. And she is so quick to call out where the traditions of men and the, and the ways of men are starting to interfere with the ways of God. Normally she's doing it to me, not to others. You know, and it's such a gift. It's like, oh yeah. And then you know, she says thing, and I repent, and then peace comes, and solutions come. But she pulls me away um, from those traditions of men. Um, as I go through um, these, the, these lists, you'll see that wisdom and um, words of knowledge go really closely hand in hand. Okay? The words of wisdom are often words of knowledge. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, a few, a few weeks ago, I mentioned my friend Andrew, who preaches, does a lot of street preaching in, in London. Um, I told you the story about where he rebuked a spirit. Um, this, um, the other story, you know, he was on the street ministering, and there was this kid who, again, he was just not getting any traction with. Um, and this would often happen. You know, he had five or six guys who would be listening, and there would be one on the side kind of agitating. And so, you know, you just said, Lord, like, what's going on? And this is, what is your vision, Lord, of what to do? What is your mission? What is your purpose here? And he believed God's purpose was to meet this kid and bring healing. And as, and as he prayed this, he had a picture in his mind of this kid when he was about six years old, um, standing at his front door with a suitcase next to the front door. And, and, and the Lord said he, he basically hates his father. And so Andrew was able to say, it's like, when you were six or seven, your father left you, didn't he? And the guy's like, you know, he's never met this guy before. Complete stranger. And he said, and you felt rejected and abandoned by that, and you have no ability to trust God, your father, because of what your earthly father did. And you know, the guy started weeping, and that led to ministry, and that led to freedom. And that was God's will in that moment. Ascertaining divine means for accomplishing God's will. Those words of knowledge are powerful. The second thing um, that Paul writes is, the words of wisdom are divinely given power to appropriate spiritual intuition in problem solving. Okay? To appropriate spiritual intuition in problem solving. This is a really weird one. Um, and so many examples I could think of. But you know, I, I know, and this is really practical as well. 
Um, I mentioned, you know, I mentioned a friend of mine who, who has been given business plans for failing businesses, um, and they've been restored. Um, I know successful businessmen and women who, and, and, and hear me here, they, they don't just pray, Lord, bless my day, okay, or like, Lord, be with me, but they intentionally invite Jesus into every single thing that they do, every meeting that they have, every phone call that matters, they're inviting Jesus in and inviting the Holy Spirit in, in order to have success that will bring glory to God. And I've seen, I've seen um, Christian men and women who own businesses who do this, who have profited when everyone else is failing because God has brought them solutions and brought them wisdom in practical ways. One of my favorite stories um, was from Chris Vallotton. Um, some of you may have heard this one. You know, he's a, he's a pastor, but he also owns some, some, some garages, um, car repair shops. And he had a, a time where his computer system was malfunctioning, and he couldn't get it right, and it was a real hassle. And the IT guy came out, and he couldn't fix it, didn't know what was going on. And so Chris prayed. Very practical situation. And Chris doesn't know, he, I think he can turn a computer on. That's about the extent of his technological skills. Um, and God basically gave him a long code. He just saw this picture of this long code. So he said to the IT guy, will you write this code in? And the guy was like, okay, well, that's the command thing. And he's like, I don't know what that does. But he, he opened up the, and wrote it in. And, this, and it took him into the back room of this program, which he, as the guy who was fixing the program, had no idea even existed. <laughs> and he managed to fix the problem. And it's just like, well, it's a computer issue. Just get a new computer or buy new software. But Chris was like, Lord, this is a hassle. It's costing me money. Can we fix it? And God gives him a code. For the cybersecurity people in the room, that could be useful. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> we, um, if you um, if you follow um, Bethel at all, you'll know that some people have come out of that church and others where we where we see God give revelations of design as well. Um, some of you, I don't know, Tyler, do you know what that guitar is called? Where the the hole is in the wrong place. Yeah, so you know the hole is normally behind the strings? Well, this Christian guy had a dream where he saw a guitar where that was in the wrong place. And of course, you could have that dream and you could wake up the next day and say, oh, that was weird. But no, he went and had the guitar made because he believed the dream was from God. And it turned out that this guitar was able to produce incredible sound, particularly for recording. And it's now sold a lot and he's made a lot of money and he supports worship leaders with the money that he's made from the guitar. The most advanced Bose systems for hunting were designed by a Christian who was given a design for a way of, de of constructing a bow which was not supposed to be able to work. And when he took it to, the, to someone to have it made, they said, this is impossible, it will not work, you cannot design a bow like this. And he said, try it. And it worked. God giving very practical intuition. The third thing that Paul talks about is a, is a sense of divine direction. And so, you know, he talks about um, Paul and the Macedonians, um, which we know. Um, he also talks about Philip in Acts 8. Um, and, you know, some of this is really direct revelation. Some of it isn't. So in Acts 8, I'll just read some of the verses here. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay, so you maybe don't need the gift of wisdom 
to know when an angel appears, you should be obedient. Okay, so we'll, you know, we'll just like, we'll leave that one at the angel's feet. But it says, so he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. And we know that he then does that. He's obedient. He meets this eunuch. They have this amazing conversation. And the man meets God. I've told the story before. And again, this is about words of knowledge, um, words of um, sort of prophetic words. Um, and I would say... Um, <laughs> we, we, when we do pr the prophetic, we try not to, what is it, Bill? We don't talk about dates, mates, or babies. Is that the three? Okay, we're supposed to avoid. Um, yeah, we try not to do those three because it's dangerous. You know, we don't want to tell you you're going to get married in six months and it doesn't work out. You know, it's like, it kind of messes with your heart. Okay. <laughs> so we, when, when, we, when we use the prophetic, we are careful. Okay. But when you have someone that you really trust um, and you're in a relationship with, that, that is different. Um, and so I've shared the story before, so I'll share it quickly. But when I was not much older than many of you in this room, um, I was unemployed. And my wife was in hospital, really unwell. Wasn't sure if she was going to get out of hospital. Whole life basically falling apart in front of me. And I went to this prophetic guy in our church who I really trusted. And he said to me, and this is this divine direction, he said to me, you're going to be offered a job. Do not take it. You will then be offered a second job. Take that job. Okay. Divine direction. I stupidly took the first job. Okay. I lasted somewhere between 36 and 48 hours in that job. I actually signed a contract for three years of work, which would have cost me about $60,000 to get out of. And in my stupidity, that's actually what I did. God in his graciousness caused the leader of the group that I just signed with to also leave and say, I don't care, and tore up my contract. And I took the second job, and it turned into an incredible blessing. Divine direction was given to me. I made my life more difficult by not listening to it. <laughs> but God will give divine direction. Before we moved to America, my wife was really wanting to leave England, desperate to leave. So desperate that even though we knew we were called to America, I was at a job in Melbourne. Okay, again, not setting a good example of obedience. Okay, in case you don't know where Melbourne is, that's exactly on the other side of the planet. Okay, <laughs> from where we are standing. And we prayed with a man that we knew well, and he had a really powerful prophetic gift, and he loved God. And he gave us a really curious word. Uh, he said, in six months, you're going to be kicked out of your house. And a year after that, you will leave this country. And I kid you not, five months, three weeks later, we got kicked out of our house. And it was about 11 months, two and a half weeks after that happened that we came to America. Divine direction. I tell you, that prophetic word gave us such hope as we were living out of boxes and suitcases and trying to work out what on earth we were doing. Words of wisdom through direction. The fourth thing that Paul talks about is being led by the Spirit to act appropriately in a given set of circumstances. Okay, so that's kind of everything, 
Okay. And <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that sounds like Christianity 101. Okay. It's like, in everything, take God with you. But there's something that's deep and profound here, okay, which is, will you be obedient to the Spirit? Will you follow His wisdom when it doesn't make sense? Okay. And that's where it gets different. Will you be led by the Spirit to act appropriately? And that appropriately is not what the Taylor LTC says, or what the U.S. Constitution says, it's what the Spirit of God says and what Scripture says. So, you know, we, we have friends who lead um, the biggest church in England with a, with a staff of hundreds of people. They spend a huge amount of money every month just trying to pay their staff. They do incredible work for the kingdom of God. And it is not uncommon for God to say to them, clear your bank accounts. Empty them. And then you will be faithful to me next year when I tell you what I want you to do. And they do it. And it's amazing to me. When my wife worked at that at a prayer meeting and the pastor said, we literally have no money to pay you, we need to pray. And they prayed, all of the staff together, they prayed. By the time they'd finished their prayer meeting, someone from Texas had just given $200,000 to the church, which paid for them. They are willing to be faithful to the word of God when it doesn't make sense in worldly terms. And there are times where God will call us to do that. We need to be really careful not to have the spirit of stupid, okay? We need to have the spirit of God, okay? That we've been obedient to Him and we move in that confidence. But it will sometimes feel risky. Have wisdom. Bill mentioned uh, a few weeks ago how there was a time at Taylor where a certain man came to preach in chapel who said things that... Bill and I particularly didn't like, and some other students who were really encountering God didn't like. And to summarize what he said, it was something along the lines of, Jesus doesn't really care about healing people. And that just seemed to me to be wrong. And I was not tenured, <clears throat> and it took everything in me not to stand up and shout heretic at him. But I was untenured. He was also a kind of spiritual advisor to the president of the university. It would have been a really, really bad idea to do that. And so in my wisdom, <laughs> but I just felt the Lord saying, don't. Like, I've got this. And then, you know, within an hour or two, my wife had sent out an email to people at Kingdom Life and at Living Waters and other groups that I were in Ball State and just saying, just preaching God's wisdom. And how to love those who say things you disagree with and how to talk about the things of the Spirit in a way that's, you know, that's winsome and, you know. She showed such wisdom. She had words of wisdom. My initial reactor was one of anger, not wisdom. The fifth and final thing is knowledge rightly applied. Knowledge rightly applied. And so this is, um, you know, if you're at a Christian university, you hear C.S. Lewis all the time, don't you? And we kind of, kind of, yeah, C.S. Lewis again. But the guy was wise yes. and so intelligent. You know, if, um, I'm sure Bill could probably rattle off 20 or 30 modern theologians he would put in, these, in this category. But I love N.T. Wright. 
I love N.T. Wright. He is such a good theologian. And he seems to just love the Spirit of God so much. Um, if you want to try a new Bible, his, his Kingdom New Testament, I love it. Bill, I don't know if you've read it. I, I, yeah, I, I love it. Um, but, you know, the people like George Washington Carver, um, fascinating guy. You can read bios of him which don't mention his faith at all. But he was a man who got wisdom and intelligence from God. This is one quote from him that I love. God has indeed been good to me and is yet opening up wonders and allowing me to peep in, as it were. I do love the things God has created, both animate and inanimate. I am absolutely nothing except as God speaks through me. I was told a story about him, but I haven't been able to verify it. Um, and so I, I think it's true. But it was told to me that um, early on in his career as, as a scientist, he asked God, because you know he's famous for like peanuts and legumes and working with those things. He asked God to show him the secrets and it was of the universe or the world or nature. And God said, you know, you can't handle it. And his response was, well, what will you tell me? And he said, peanuts. I'll talk to you about peanuts. And then other legumes, it turns out. Um, and he ended up creating all of these things and finding you know, amazing things out about soil and crop rotation and the good things that you can extract from these designs of God. Knowledge rightly applied for the glory of God. So finally, when we... Going, going back to Solomon... When God asked Solomon, you know, what, what do you want? Um, and he says, wisdom, that I may rule your people wisely. And God then blesses him, not just with wisdom, but also with wealth. Okay, it pleased God. It pleased God that Solomon asked for wisdom. And he asked for wisdom that his people would be led well, that God's people would be led well. And I do believe the same principle applies to us. You know, James says, ask, and God will give liberally. But I think it's God's delight if we say, Lord, will you give me wisdom that I can expand your kingdom, that I can profit your people, that I can bring your word and your ways to the world around me, I believe that that delights him. And each one of you in the room, you've got a career and you've got a calling and you've got family and you've got friends, you've got these circles of influence. And God can use you and he can bring wisdom through you if we will just position ourselves. And if we will be surrendered, you know, live a surrendered life, that we are available for those words, that we're not scrambling all the time. Let's give him space to speak. And hopefully he'll start you off gently. Maybe he'll get you to take some risks. Will you stand and let's pray together to finish. Lord Jesus, we, we, um, we just re re remember your joy when you saw the will of the Father playing out in the disciples, in the men and women that followed you, Lord. You saw 
you saw the Spirit of God move and bring your kingdom. And it brought you delight, Lord, that the Father was using the little ones. Not the learned, not the noble, not the wealthy, but the little ones. And Lord, I think that's the heart of surrender, that we, that we are your little ones. And we, we thank you, Lord. I, I thank you for the intelligence in this room and the education in this room and all the opportunities that you've given us. But Lord, it's nothing if we don't have you. So we surrender, Lord. We surrender to you. We, we ask by your spirit that our minds would be renewed that we would be able to know and see the perfect will of our Father. So Lord, we ask you for wisdom. We ask you for wisdom that we, Lord, would be effective ambassadors of your kingdom. Whether we are dealing in the natural, whether we are dealing in the, in the spiritual, that we would be able to bring your wisdom to those around us. Well, I know we've got a lot of social workers and teachers in the room, Lord. I pray for them that they would, that they would see your solutions. They can't always bring scripture. They can't always preach in their work, Lord. But they can bring your ways. Lord, would you empower them with solutions to repair brokenness and bring your life. And all the scientists in the room, would you inspire them? Give them new ways of designing. The glory come to your name by the inventiveness of your people. Just as you inspired men and women to design your temple, you gave them these gifts, Lord. Let those gifts play out in the natural. Lord, we, we claim your word that says that you will give wisdom liberally to those who ask. And so we ask. we ask this, Jesus, in your name, and we ask that we would bring glory to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.